Hello, welcome Lost Massers. The scorching heat of the summer and the deadly humidity have descended on Massachusetts, but thankfully I have just installed a brand new Frigidaire split system room cooler in the Lost Cabin. It's about the size of my old radio. It's clunking along, but I don't feel very cold yet. I think there's another switch I have to flip. Ah, there it goes. Cold air is actually coming out of this mysterious box and filling the room. What a miracle of the modern world. Hopefully I'll be able to hear my music over the new machinery. So I've got two machines going. The new air conditioner and the phonograph. So where were we? Oh yes. In this episode, we'll be going somewhere much colder, but also darker. What this place was is in dispute. But you can go yourself and try to solve the mystery. So today in Lost Massachusetts, join us in the Upton Chamber. We are at the entrance of the Upton Heritage Park, and we're looking at the um, chamber, which is one of many sort of underground, human-built structures that are of somewhat mysterious origins. Well, so far there's one non-mysterious structure here, and it is a shed that was built by a Boy Scout uh, by trees that came down during Hurricane Sandy. And it is, uh, it is really cool. Hello, Lost Masters. Thanks for joining us. For those new to the podcast, this is where we explore vanished or forgotten places in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Is it a ghost town? Is it a neighborhood that got transformed by development or population shifts? Is it something that was completely wiped off the map by nature? Or is it something truly mysterious and so old that its existence is only a whisper? Come along and find out. We also dig deep into the history of a lost place and provide directions to it so you can hike or discover it too. But what are we talking about today? Massachusetts and New England generally is full of mysterious buildings, caves, and structures with murky origins. One of the most famous, uh, the so-called America's Stonehenge in Salem, New Hampshire, is a massive complex with supposed stone circles that track the seasons, underground rooms, and some sort of altar or sacrifice table with a blood channel carved in it. It sounds very sinister, but may have just been for cleaning meat. Does this place track the movements of the sun over the course of a year? Not sure yet. But this is a real place. Its function and origin 
are in dispute. Was it constructed for a specific purpose? And if so, who did it? Native Americans, the Vikings, the Irish? How old is this place? Hundreds of years, thousands of years? Well, we're gonna look at a place in Massachusetts that you can check out yourself. But first, a couple of podcast notes. I always take time to respond to listeners. Uh, the first item is through the Instagram account at Lost Massachusetts on Instagram, where we post photos of our adventures. Dellenbaum uh, commented on our Norton Copperworks episode. Nice episode giving me flashbacks. My dad grew up in Attleboro and spent the summers on his uh, grandfather's farm on Slater Street in Briggs Corner. I grew up on Slater Street in Barrowsville. The Grove, behind Norton Reservoir, Chartley Pond were my old stomping grounds. Thanks for the memories. And thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, providing additional context to the stories that we have here. And this is a big part of what we're trying to do. We want to hear about your lost places. We want to hear about your experience with these lost places. Some of them are new to you. Some of them are places you've probably already been before and you didn't know the complete story behind them. And we want to create a fuller picture and really appreciate what has happened in the past. The next comment is from Rick, and it was sent directly to the show's email address, getlost at lostmassachusetts.com. It's from Rick, and he says, I have been enjoying your podcast. I sort of expected good stories, but was blown away by the production values. I'm kind of shocked by the production values uh, myself. Rick also sends some information about Cheshire Cheese and the Housatonic Tunnel, which will be the subject of future episodes, and those will be really interesting. And like I said, if you know of a lost place that isn't in one of our episodes yet, send it along. And if you've got some story about one of the lost places we've been to or have additional information, we'd love to hear it. But let's get back to the issue at hand. So I talked about America's Stonehenge or Mystery Hill in New Hampshire. I mean, that's probably one of the more famous places of this description, a uh, stone structure of unknown origins and creators. So there are many places like this in Massachusetts. According to some sources, there are as many as 1,000 locations here that have potentially unknown origins and age. Right now we're going to focus on the Upton Chamber in Upton, Massachusetts. It's a man-made stone cave with a long entrance, and that certainly sounds exotic uh, in the modern world, but it may not have been exotic 200 years ago. There could be a completely mundane explanation for this. Many people believe that these are colonial root cellars, and it is in fact very cold inside, and it would be a great place to store food. Now, there are people who reject this idea uh, and attribute it to other peoples and attribute it to a much older period in time. So who would the suspects be uh, for the Upton Chamber as builders? Aside from the colonial settlers, 
we have the Nipmuc tribe or their predecessors. And we'll get into the reason why it might be them or somebody much older. Irish monks are also roped into the story quite frequently. Welsh miners, Viking explorers, and then, of course, aliens. Anyway, we get into some cultural controversies when we examine these stone chambers. Many will assume that these have to be colonial structures because the local tribes did not or could not build such structures. Some historians will point to the fact that most of the tribes in Massachusetts were fishermen. They subsided off of rivers. They usually lived around rivers and they moved to different places depending on the seasons to hunt uh, or fish and gather different food sources at different times. This, of course, is based on what the colonists observed as they came over from Europe. But there is a problem with their observations. And it is that the world that they saw when they arrived in the 16th century may not have been the world that was here before. We're only just beginning to reconstruct what was a much larger and more complex native civilization in the Americas that was unfortunately likely wiped out by European diseases that they had no immunity to. If we go up and down the Mississippi River, this side of the country is dotted with ancient settlements that very little is known about. Archaeology in Massachusetts shows extremely early habitations in many places and probably places that supported larger numbers of people. The locals often told Europeans about a great sickness that killed many people, and forced other people to move. So the world that was encountered by colonists may have been completely different from something that existed 50, 100 years before that. Another problem with attributing these structures to colonists is that many of the European colonists noted that these structures were already there when they arrived, when they built their farms. They actually found them while they were clearing the lands. So in some cases, it may have been a root cellar built in the 17th century. But to many colonists, it was just as much of a mystery as it is to us. So we're going to examine the various theories uh, around this chamber and some of the other chambers in general. Also that they may have been built by Welsh miners, Viking explorers, or Irish monks. It's pretty well established now that there were Viking settlements up in Canada, and there are lots of theories and some anecdotal evidence about 
Vikings here in Massachusetts as well. And this is actually a larger story that we'll tell later. Welsh miners is an interesting one, too. There are various stories about Welsh explorers coming to the Americas. This is something that we'll discuss as well. And of course, we'll talk about the Irish monks. What is it about the Irish monks? Well, we have to look at a character known as St. Brendan. St. Brendan, also called St. Brendan the Navigator, was a 6th century Irish monk. And he was more than likely a real person. There's enough about his life that is known uh, that can tell us that, yes, he was probably a real person. However, there is another aspect of his story which is fanciful and makes him sound more like a sort of mythical person from ancient times. So, his exploits beyond his uh, normal religious duties apparently extended into long voyages across the Atlantic Ocean looking for the happy place, the other world, the supposed land of the dead beyond the sea. Now this is something that is going to have to be picked apart and examined um, in another episode because there's a lot to it. But right off the bat I'm going to dismiss that St. Brendan was the architect of the Upton Chamber, and I'll tell you why. Some people claim the design of the Upton Chamber, this sort of beehive style, is based on similar structures in Ireland. And there are two problems with that. One is that the similar structures that they refer to are above ground and not below ground. The other problem is that many of these structures are actually for pagan uses. It's hard to believe that a evangelical monk was traveling to foreign lands to supposedly convert new peoples to Christianity, but while he was there, built a pagan structure never made any sense to me. Now, it's entirely possible that other Irish people, earlier pagan Irish people, came and built such a thing, but we'll have to look at that in a completely separate context. But let's actually go into the chamber itself and see what it looks like and see what else we can find out. Well, let's wait a second. We want to... Uh... So we're at the entrance to the mysterious chamber, and it is very dark in there. So before we go in, we want to uh, shine a light in there to make sure that there's nothing in there waiting for us that's hungry. So there's a bunch of logs shoved in, and it's almost like there's a there's an entrance tunnel. Oh, I think the logs are here because the ground is wet. Let me see. Uh, and... 
coming through the entranceway into the chamber proper. And it is dark in here. Yeah, walk on the log so um, you don't step in the water. Yep, it's a low ceiling. Watch your head. Dark. All right, and it is a now. Once you get out of the, once you get out of the hallway, the actual the inside of the chamber is is very large, and you can stand up in here. The ceiling's actually pretty high. Wet. And it is wet. It's wet in here, and it's actually it's actually kind of cool. So if this was some kind of uh, yeah, cellar. Yeah, it would keep your uh, it would keep your food cold. The walls are covered in wet dew, so it almost is like a refrigerator in here. If it wasn't Europeans, the Nipmucks or their predecessors are the most likely culprits. Who are and who were the Nipmucks? The traditional homeland of the Nipmuc people was in central Massachusetts roughly between the western edge of the Charles River and the Connecticut River. The territory dipped down into northern Rhode Island and eastern Connecticut. Upton is within, the, within this region. The current Nipmuc tribal government can be found in Hassanamisco Reservation in South Grafton, Mass. Like most of the tribes in Massachusetts, Nipmucks were on the losing end of conflicts, disease, and colonial expansion. While this is an important story to tell, it shouldn't be the defining story. The story that I'm interested in is in reconstructing their state as it was, where their main villages were, what they were called, and what's there now. That is the greater lost Massachusetts underneath everything else, the truly lost history. For that reason, I'm interested in viewing the Upton Chamber as a product of their civilization if it helps to understand the lost past. So what proof do we have that it's in their column? First, how far back in time can we go? There is evidence of habitation in Massachusetts from 10,000 years ago when North America was covered by sheets of ice and tundra. It's hard to imagine the weather in Massachusetts being worse than it is now, but there you have it. People living in this fierce climate hunted big herd animals. There are still people in Arctic regions who follow or tend herds of horned animals for food just like the ancients of Massachusetts did. When the weather improved in Massachusetts, also still difficult to say with a straight face, people settled in the woodland areas and possibly created more permanent settlements when access to food changed. Were these the direct predecessors of the Nipmuc? Difficult to say, but people have been living in central mass for millennia. The size of the territory traditionally held by the Nipmuc against their neighbors like the Pequots and the Narragansetts suggests that a large and well-controlled region belonged to them. This is the exact reason I highly doubt that Irish monks slipped into the area and built a stone cave. Some of the more specific claims have to do with the Pleiades. The Pleiades is a constellation of six or seven stars that has been tracked, observed, and even revered around the world for centuries. 
The Japanese word for this constellation is Subaru. And if you look at a Subaru automobile, you will see their logo has a collection of six stars. In addition to the Nipmuc, two other tribes believe the chamber is an ancient observatory that allowed the people to see the Pleiades on the spring equinox. Like most ancient people, they didn't have clocks or calendars and relied on astronomical observations to tell them when to plant their crops. Their lives for the following year depended on it. So presumably, it was someone's job to sit in the chamber each night, stare out through the long tunnel until the Pleiades showed up in the right spot. Not only does the long chamber opening frame a specific piece of sky, but it also blocks out all other light sources and brings it into focus. It's a kind of telescope or camera obscura that likely also had a religious experience attached to it. When you step into the chamber, you might be standing in the center of a sacred place that would be occupied by a shaman who provided guidance that was key to the survival of his people. There's certainly no shortage of evidence that the Nipmuc resided in the area, but one of the questions we have to answer is just how old is the chamber itself? And some people have different theories on that, and it may be difficult to actually say. But let's return to the park area and see what else we can find out. So the mystery chamber is actually right at the entrance. Um, you don't see it from the parking lot. You have to kind of uh, walk to the right down a trail, and you'll almost fall into the little basin where the where the tunnel is. Uh, but the actual the park that's connected to this is uh, really nice. There's a path around this uh, mill pond. It's quite scenic, and uh, there are trails through the woods that are pleasant. So the origins continue to be murky. While there is a public park that contains the Upton Chamber now, that wasn't always the case. For most of the known history, the chamber was on private property, mostly a local rumor and only accessible with permission. For a long time, a local Boy Scout troop held ceremonies at the site, and the troop continues to do maintenance work there. One estimate has the structure as being at least 400 years old, based on the last time the sediment underneath was exposed to the sun, which would put it roughly just before the old colony was established in Plymouth, but after European explorers and fishermen started poking around. This time frame makes it highly unlikely that colonists built it. The technique used suggests that it could be as old as uh, 1350 AD, well before any real European presence. Another point that dings the colonist origin is that there is no evidence that anything organic was stored in the chamber like cattle feed. Some traces of that would have been left behind. Remember I talked about using the Pleiades constellation to determine the equinox through the tunnel? Researchers James Maver and Byron Dix claim it was used for this purpose in the 8th 
century AD, around 1200 years ago. There is a slight problem with the chamber in terms of claiming it is a celestial observatory, and that's the ceiling height. It's twice as tall as it needs to be to look out the tunnel, but there could be some unknown reason for the ceiling height. But what connects this site to the Nipmucks other than possible use as an observatory? Well, the Upton site is on the Great Trail. The term Great Trail is a bit confusing because there is no single trail. It's a network of ancient footpaths that run through New England to Canada and the Midwest. These were trade and travel routes used by the Algonquin, Iroquois, and others. Sometimes called traces, many of these paths were used by colonists and later paved over, eventually becoming modern highways. The part of the trail we're focused on here was previously called the Old Connecticut Path. The Old Connecticut Path ran through the heart of Nipmuc territory and connected them to the Massachusetts tribe on one end and the Metabesic people on the other. If you've ever been on Route 9 or Route 126, you've been driving on the Old Connecticut Path. Unfortunately, there is a lack of artifacts found at the site linking it to anyone. The chamber itself was restored in recent years by a stonemason, which is great for preservation, but one wonders if any evidence was lost in the process. The question remains unanswered, but we will keep digging. In the show notes, I will link to a site that has dozens of mysterious chambers all over New England. Hang out after the commercial, and I will give you directions to the Upton Chamber. We didn't solve the mystery this time, but some things are better meant to be mysterious. We certainly won't be leaving these alone, and there is much more to explore. Join us next time for a brief trip around Worcester to look at some oddities that make for fun summer driving. Until then, this is Garth in the Lost Cabin somewhere in rural Massachusetts, with my very loud, frigid air, saying, It's always 1928 somewhere. Hey, if you like the show for some reason, there are lots of ways you can join the fun or get a hold of us. You can message Lost Mass through the podcast apps on Anchor. There's a voice option. Or you can go to lostmassachusetts.com and subscribe to our blog or use the various methods there to contact us. If you go to lostmassachusetts.com, you can also sign up to get a postcard from a lost place and find out where to send us a lost postcard too. Also go to Lost Massachusetts at uh, Instagram for photos and other details. We will do our best to respond to comments uh, directly uh, as well as within the show. You might hear um, your own comment. That's fun.